Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Hardware Podcast after a little two-week break there. Um, uh, we are coming in after the first round of the FCS playoffs. Man, there's a lot to talk about. we got some finalists for the Buck Buchanan. Uh, those are like 18, though. We've got like actual finalists, like three finalists for the Walter Payton. A lot to get to. Man, what a busy week in football. Like if you had told us like this time last year that like we would have be in the middle of like some college playoffs and the NFL draft, like we really looked at you like you were crazy. What a, what a time to be alive. Yeah, no, I totally agree. As I get distracted you and my cadet, my cadet work, my cadet job, but it, it's totally an awesome weekend. Uh, shame on me. I kind of missed some of it. Um, going to a Mets game, finally getting off post watching the Mets nationals, but really a great week. And honestly, it went all as expected, but some teams had some close calls. Um, Really, like, I mean, Delaware had a close call. Sam Houston State, which uh, we'll go on a little further about Sam Houston State when we talk about the Walter Payton race. But really a great weekend, like you said, Jackson. It was just rosy. You know, you can't go wrong with time off post except for watching baseball. I fault you for that. <laughs> but, uh, hey, at least you were there. Um, but, yeah, man, what a great weekend of football. I as well did miss some of the action on Saturday. It has been a crazy busy week. But, uh, you know, you said a couple teams had closer calls than expected. Uh, if I had to pick a one seed to lose or, like, uh, someone at, like, the top of their, like, division or whatever, section, whatever it's called, I would have picked South Dakota State because I haven't really liked them that much this year. And, man, they answered that question. 31-3 against Holy Cross, an undefeated, albeit 3-0 Holy Cross team. Um, and Holy Cross, we'll, we'll get into that later as well with the Walter Payton, but they've got one of the finalists as well. Or no, excuse me. I'm completely wrong on that. I misread that. It is, is it Fordham? Fordham, Fordham has, I think Fordham has Fordham. the, the finals. Yeah, you're right. I don't know how yeah. I got that confused. Jeez, Jackson, not all, not all Catholic slash Jesuit schools are the same, but also am I hearing yeah. that you're on the, you're on the Holy Cross, um, bandwagon on the, on the Matt Sluka, the Zach Wilson of the Zach Wilson of the seven Hills of Worcester bandwagon. I did not say that. I, I am on the anti-Granowski bandwagon, if there is such one. Which I'm not anti-Granowski, but I, I didn't think he played that great this season. Better than I could have. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying way better than I could have. But uh, but still not up to Walter Payton Award level, uh, but apparently up to uh, destroying in the first round of the FCS playoffs level. Yeah, no, totally for sure. So first off, since we didn't address it last week, uh, do you think they made it? Do you think they, the FCS committee or the NCAA, they uh, missed any picks with the playoffs? I think they were just fine, except I do have one misgiving. I do think I would have taken Southern over on um, Southern Illinois, but Southern Illinois removed all doubts this past weekend by beating Weber State. But I, th- I think it would have been cool to give Southern a chance, four and one, especially what they did the last weekend with the nationally televised drubbing of Grambling and the, the worst Bayou Classic blowout since the 30s. Really stunning. Yeah, I don't think the committee got much wrong. In fact, I think they should replace the FBS playoff committee, who seems to put Notre Dame in every year. But um, yeah, they didn't get much wrong at all. Um, I, I mean, I'm looking at it. We had, for the most part, competitive games. There were some things that were, you know, some unexpected blowouts like North Dakota's table. I guess not. All, I guess all of them, except for one or two score games. But they're good slate. And um, yeah, I don't think they got too much wrong. I think the quarterfinals would be a much more um, 
much more competitive and much more interesting, honestly, though. I'm looking forward to seeing those. Yeah, no, I agree. Even though, like, honestly, so I thought that Delaware, like, I guess getting into some of the games in the first round, I thought that Delaware would wipe the floor with Sacred Heart, but apparently Julius Chestnut, man, he uh, he's something to be to be reckoned with because he's now a finalist for Walter Payton that we mentioned, and that game was a 1910 game, very close at the at Delaware's venerable Delaware State Stadium that they have, you know, I think a really good home field advantage from what I hear of, on uh, just other surprises like that, um, and especially SIU and Weber State, one of the seeds going down this past weekend. Yeah, um, Julius Chestnut, upwards of 130 yards, as well as a touchdown on the ground. He is a, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Apologies to VMI and to you, Omar, for VMI. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that, in case any cadets are listening. But um, your secret crush over the year of VMI. Uh, and, you know, James Madison, you've been on the anti-JMU bandwagon this year. And I have to say, I saw it coming. I saw it coming. That defense wasn't as legit as we thought, either of us. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But the thing was, like, James Madison almost blew a 28-3, like, lead. I mean, that game came, still came down to the wire. And what I imagine, I think this is something that BMI fans will think of for a long time. But what if Reese Udinsky played? No, nothing against Seth Morgan. Still a very splendid quarterback for the Kedets. But, hey, I mean, he's not – he doesn't have the experience that Reese Udinsky had as an all-time leader, leading passer for BMI. But I think that's, that's one of those what could have been. Like, did he – oh, go ahead. Yeah, he was hurt. He he had a season-ending injury. Remember that uh, the Sanford game that we both watched? That's right. I don't he got know hurt on the final I, drive. I thought he was like dressing, but questionable. No, no, like he got hurt. he finished the drive. Yeah, that's but, right. I forgot yeah. about that. That's what. So, that's the I didn't get to catch this weekend. Definitely, what could have been there? Like it's kind of it's kind of sad actually. If Udinsky plays, do you think they won? Maybe I, I'd say maybe because I mean there was a pick in the in the end zone early on in the game. Uh, VMI got in the red zone on reverse and Seth Morgan throw, throws a pick in the end zone game ends up being a one score game. So maybe they send the game into overtime, if anything. Um, and which is just with that too, like it was like the game was closer than the score indicated being a one score game and being a 31, 17 game in the final minute closer than it indicated. Another question we're getting into the bracketology part early, but do you think this is, do you think North Dakota state, I won't ask you if they think they'll win it all because, you know, I, I won't get that far. Do you think they get knocked out before the, the final round, though? Maybe against Southern Illinois. I'll have to check what the score was for the first game that they played. But I I don't know, man. They're like the hottest team in the country. Maybe if they play North Dakota State in a rematch again because I thought North Dakota State was left for dead against Eastern Washington, Eric Barrier, uh, yet another one, another finalist for the Walter Payton. But I do think that um, South Dakota State looks like the hottest team, to be honest with you. I think the one team that could stop them, frankly, it might be James Madison or Delaware. Yeah, I mean, Delaware, they have a shot in the final four. And then, uh, well, no, they would play in the final. But, um, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I, I guess we're already in the Elite Eight right now. Uh, if we're if we're going by uh, NCAA men's basketball terms, um, North Dakota State, I think they'll beat Sam Houston State this week. I would like to see North Dakota. I would like to see a second rematch or, or a rematch uh, versus North Dakota because I would just way I did not get the carries any needed. 
order for North Dakota to win. Maybe they learned their lesson last time. Maybe they've listened to our podcast and noticed that they should have maybe stuck to the running game for a little longer. Uh, but yeah, if James Madison pulls out a victory versus um, North Dakota, then I, I, I don't see um, North Dakota State not at least going to the championship. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's like, this is, uh, do you think the calendar, like the, the calendar part of the year, like that we're not doing this in January or December is like, uh, do you think that could contribute to a North Dakota state loss if they did? Maybe, but I think they got things figured out with the running back by committee. Cause they pulled out yet another running back this past Saturday. And if anything, I think JMU, I, I don't think they, they get past JMU, but um, JMU you should don't get past North. Get past I don't think they do. Cause JMU like uh, do with everything involved. Um, I just, I really don't think that they, I mean, cause See, see, for me, it's the opposite. I think they could beat JMU pretty handily, and I think they might struggle with North Dakota. Handily? I mean, you say that, but they – I mean, North Dakota State lost handily to Southern Illinois. They lost by two scores to South Dakota State. And really, what it's going to be, I think it's going to be a defensive battle. And I just think James Madison yeah. has a better the better front seven with big Mike Green and the better running game with Percy Aguiar Obesi um, running the ball for the Dukes. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, uh, you just mentioned uh, you just mentioned their running back, and he came in tied for eleventh of the voting, so with one first place vote, which is odd to me. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I mean they're gonna have to win in the trenches if they do beat North Dakota State. Uh, I think we haven't seen the peak of Hunter Lupka either. Um, I think he could play a big a big role as a fullback for North Dakota State. So, yeah, it's exciting to see. Um, if you want to catch the North Dakota State uh, Sam Houston State game, that's going to be uh, three o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Uh, looks like this May second, so it's going to be on the Sunday, right? All of these games are on Sunday. Yeah, all these games are on Sunday, which I think and, is a good move. I think so. I think it's yeah, a good they move. don't want to interfere with the draft. Casual football fans are probably going to watch the draft. I didn't. I didn't factor that in. I thought it was just like random, but that's that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't think I, about I, that. That's it. Well, the reason why I think that is because the twenty fourth and May, yeah, May eighth, both Saturdays, they're filling up that Saturday, and then yeah, they don't want to interfere with that because I think that got moved. It used to be on ESPN too. Uh, rounds um four through seven i think they moved it to espn and abc if i remember right so yeah they don't want to interfere with that so excited for some good sunday football um what's the most uh most interesting most competitive game you think we have for this for this slate if you don't already know only four games this sunday South Dakota State, well one on saturday you got the swag championship which we'll talk about as well oh yes yeah, swag championship can't forget that South Dakota State, Southern Illinois, uh, Delaware, Jacksonville State, James Madison, North Dakota, and finally one we've already talked about, North Dakota State and Houston State. So I like out of all these, I think North Dakota State can beat Sam Houston. Um, and also, too, I'm liking Delaware, Jacksonville State. Um, I think Delaware can upset Jacksonville State, given that Jacksonville State lost to uh, Austin P earlier in the year. And I mean, they, they're kind of, they kind of come out of a weaker conference in the OVC. So those are my two for the more competitive games. You do have some primetime games, which is really awesome that those teams get in the primetime spotlight. 
uh, you know, Brookings Stadium should be rocking. I don't know what JMU Stadium's name is, but that place should be rocking as well. Uh, the one thing that stops me from liking North Dakota James Madison is North Dakota's road woes. They have only won two road games in the past two seasons. So that is a concern. And especially now that they're going to Virginia, um, a lot of humidity in the spring. It's starting to get warm here on the Eastern seaboard. So could be something to look out for. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Delaware Jacksonville state. I just think it's kind of funny that that's the only one that's on ESPN three. <laughs> um, uh, basically for the first part of your Sunday, go ahead and keep it 3 PM. Eastern, uh, you'll need two TVs or two screens. North Dakota State, Sam Houston, and then Delaware, Jacksonville State, both on uh, our ones on ESPN, ones on ESPN three, and then at six o'clock you'll have the JMU North Dakota. Nine p.m. Eastern is when you'll have SDSU in Southern Illinois. Um, Southern Illinois intrigues me. They're the ones with the most losses because uh, they they went five and three, and they also had a close loss against Weaver State. Um, but as far as most intriguing him, I think I might go with James Madison, North Dakota. Only one combined loss between the two. Um, James Madison beat, uh, you know, a VMI that I now know was without Udinsky. Uh, and North Dakota, I mean, as, if Otis Weah can, can stay strong, then I, I think they have a pretty good chance to win that one. But I think that might, that's the one that I feel the most like I don't feel too strong either way. I, I guess I would, earlier – Today, I was leaning towards North Dakota, but I don't know. I can see both. Yeah, so for me, I know we mentioned the SWAC championship briefly, and we'll talk a little bit more about one of the quarterbacks playing Akil Glass, but that ESPN2, 3 o'clock on Saturday, only game on the Saturday, um, like that is a great quarterback battle right there because you got Akil Glass, who a guy who is NFL-ready, I think. Um, you know, just a great guy that can sling the ball, has been doing great. Uh, for Alabama A&M, had a couple national televised games. So people know Keel Glass beating Jackson State, having seven touchdowns, national player of the week, and then follow that, that performance up with a great game in the Magic City Classic at the gray old lady in Birmingham. And well, you Field. know, typically like NFL scouts are like on the road during the draft at spring games. They'll actually be on the road like during a real game now for the SWAT championship. <laughs> so yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe some scouts will agree with you. We'll, we'll be hearing his name called in a year. But um, yeah, you're you're right about Legion Field though. I love I, I you can't stop making fun of Legion Field. It's it's terrible. So it's true. yeah, like uh, so Skylar Perry too for yeah. Pine Bluff. Not too bad of a year as well. Averaging 251 yards a game, 12 touchdowns, three picks for the Lions in their first um excuse me SWAT title game since I think they're at least the early 2010. So it's their first time in a while going to the title game. Made for TV. Jay Walker. Jay Walker on the call. I keep forgetting her name. The play-by-play woman. Um, give me a second on that HBCU ESPN as long as it's announcer. Not- Sorry. Yes. Tiffany Green, Howard alum, great play-by-play woman. Uh, her and Jay Scott on the call. So what should be a fun time? Uh, cozy up, get a beer on a Saturday afternoon for the only game that day. Yeah, definitely. I'm mean, I'm excited for that. That'll be something that I'll definitely keep an eye on. Um, yeah, man, what a what a great weekend of football. Like like we've been talking about like this is awesome i i love this if it weren't for the like the occasional like the three or four like fcs draft prospects that we have every year then i wish we would just keep this in the spring like this would be great i I think it would get so much more publicity it'd be great 
some people just if there's any kind of remote football on, they're they're not gonna watch basketball or baseball. Uh, oh, what's that? What's that Bud Light commercial where it's like uh, the guy sits down and asks who's playing, and the other guy drinking Bud Light is like, "Does it matter?" It's like, no. Like <laughs> football's football. Like people will always watch this. So I I wish they would keep this in the spring. But um, I digress. Moving on to the Walter Payton Award. Uh, we have got three finalists, and one of them is not named, or all three of them are not named Eric Schmidt, actually, which is odd to me. Um, what are your thoughts on the Walter Payton Award final coming out and saying who their finalists are? So I was really surprised by Schmidt not making the list because all the things, like the stats early on, and I, I do think there was a decline in production later on in the season. So that makes sense. Uh, other guys I liked in the ranking. So I like Jacob Harris a lot. Jacob Harris for VMI a lot. And you he came in fourth it. in the voting. You called it. He was fourth in voting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you called it on that one. Props to you. I think people recognized it. And another guy I liked that I, I like Akilah Glass, of course, for sure. All the way at six. Played three games, but left such an impression on the voters in his three games. <clears throat> that he ended up sixth above guys like Pierre Strong for South Dakota State, Liam Welch, who had comparable stats for sure from Stanford, as we both remember. But, I mean, I guess it's that national TV. I mean, I, I, I want to know your thoughts on that, Jackson. Like, Akil Glass, do you think him playing a national TV in two of his three games helped his cause for the Walter Payton? You no, know, it certainly doesn't hurt because I was looking at the website where the finalists came out on, and I am struggling to find it, but it was upwards of 120 voters, if I remember right, somewhere around there. And, um, you know, not all of them are going to do the research they're supposed to do. We have big issues with this in the Heisman and college football awards. They just kind of vote for who they're told to by all the other media. Um, so yeah, a national televised game really helps, especially when you're in the FCS. Um, if you have a voter that they've got other projects, other, you know, whatever reporters do, <laughs> they've got other stuff going on. Um, you know what? They may not go out of their way to watch ESPN plus on 2 PM on a Saturday when their kids got a little league game, like, <laughs> you know, they may just watch the national televised ones and, uh, that certainly helps. And I think it shows kind of proof that, Hey, if you can get on TV, then, you know, it, it'll go a long way. Uh, the only argument against that, however, is that, um, I did not see any Jackson state players on either one, which hypothetically by that theory, like five of them should be Jackson state. So, <laughs> I mean, I say that equal air times equal air time. I mean, like yeah. Akil glass playing Jackson state leaves the opportunity for Akil glass to hey, lay up a seven touchdown burger, lay, lay out a seven touchdown burger on the, on the Jackson state tigers. So I really, I, I think that was cool to see Akil glass and um, so our top three, uh, I want to know your thoughts on just, the, the list of 16 candidates and the top three they selected. I want to know your thoughts, Jackson. Yeah. Um, the top three. Uh, I like chestnut. I like chestnut on the top three. Um, I kind of maybe would put Harris are uh, above Cole Kelly um, the VMI receiver above uh, Cole Kelly, but I don't think you can have two non-quarterbacks in a final three, honestly. I probably prefer Chestnut to uh, to Harris. So, I, yeah, I think they got it right. I don't. I don't have too many issues with it. Do you, Do you see anything that's like glaringly bad in the rankings? 
So I, I am happy for Chestnut playing out of the Northeastern football, Northeastern conference, excuse me, a conference that is not known at all for its athletic pedigree or like basketball or football. So it's a credit that he is a, that he was able to become a top three finalist. Must have left such an impression, like 179 yards a game. He'd be a thousand yard rusher for sure. Um, during that. Um, I think, I think so. I think, Ch- Oh, go oh, ahead. I, I was just going to say, they, the committee, or the not the committee, um, the uh, the voters for this had very strong opinions on who the best quarterbacks in the FCS are because it's a barrier and Kelly, and then you know who the next quarterback is. You have to go all the way down to Liam Welch for Sam. Well, well it's Glass. Glass is six. Glass. Glass is number six. They have him listed as a running back in the in the link I sent you. I don't You're know why right. that happened. I, I <laughs> you know what I missed this because I was just scrolling down. But um, you know what? Yeah, they have glass in this. It's strange. Um, but yeah, I mean, still, that's still like four spots down. Well, potentially three, but you, you get what I'm saying. So it's interesting. Something. To look. Yeah, no, I to- I totally agree. <clears throat> so my top three, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, I think my top three, I think Kelly gets it due to that final shootout against SIU. Southern Illinois, where that game felt like Coastal Carolina, it felt like everything that Coastal Carolina BYU wasn't. High scoring affair, final playoff spot on the line, and it showed what's great about FCS football and what's not so great about about FBS football, where that game, Coastal Carolina BYU, should have been for a New Year's Six spot, even a playoff spot. This game was actually for a playoff spot, and it got Southern Illinois over the hump. And Kelly still balled out. So I think Kelly wins it out of Southeastern Louisiana. Second, I think they put Chestnut number two because he's only played five games. And the Northeastern Conference, there's that stigma of it as it being kind of a weaker conference. Uh, looking at the schedule they played, he had that good – he had he had a win against Duquesne. Like, they played Duquesne twice, a strong, like the other strong team. But um, – sorry, I tapped in Duquesne instead. But the rest of their schedule, uh, they had – they had the Delaware game, but they had Long Island U, Merrimack, a couple of bad teams as well where Julius Chestnut could stack up his stats. And I think the voters look down upon them. And then third, I have Barrier because I think if it would have been a closer game with North Dakota State, then I think he definitely could have won it. But um, after after getting up, after blowing the lead and looking dead in the second half, I don't think he wins it or comes close to Kelly, even Chestnut. Barrier has one more touchdown and three more interceptions than uh, than Colt Kelly, which is not a very good ratio. So yeah, I think I think we're looking at Colt Kelly as the winner of this, and uh, I think part of the reason being Chestnut, it's just not a, it's just not a running back award, and maybe it should be. It should go to the best offensive player, um, but yeah, it's it's a quarterback award for the most part, um, and I mean. We saw it with Devontae Smith, yeah, that it goes to a non-quarterback, but I just I just don't see it happening. I think Cole Kelly, they put two quarterbacks in there for a reason. I think Cole Kelly is going to be in. And I'd like to think, so maybe they look at the pandemic here. Maybe if Chestnut played more than five games, I think the award would definitely be his. If he but... had like a Jarrett Patterson type season for like all of the spring, then yeah. But no, he, he didn't, so. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like, it's just it's really hard. So, I mean, um, I wish the best for Julius Chestnut. It's a shame that he gets it. It's a shame that the New York City market being out there in Fairfield <laughs> didn't really help him. It couldn't really help him as much. Uh, but I do think Kelly is, um, and I think that's a good segue into the Buck Buchanan Award finalists. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on some of the guys on here uh, for the Buck Buchanan final award. 
you know what? Before we get to the Buck Buchanan, I wanted to mention one thing. Pop quiz, what is the main knock against Jared Patterson besides not being a pass catcher? Is it pass pro or size? Size. Size. That's ridiculous. That's actually Name a running back that had the size of Jared Patterson. Darren Sproles? I, I, don't, I don't really know. <laughs> Maurice Jones-Drew. Oh, really? And he has been working out in Miami with Maurice Jones-Drew. That's awesome. No, that's a great sign. I love that. I hope he slips in that seventh round. He deserves it. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Awesome. I'm I'm buying a Patterson jersey as soon as I have (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to the Buck Buchanan. It may not be Miami, but I know he's working out with MJD for sure. Um, But uh, let's see. So the Buck Buchanan Award. For number one, I have Colby Campbell, linebacker and a Presbyterian. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. An insane 96 tackles, seven of them tackles for loss, forced fumble, quarterback hit, a couple pat PBUs. But, um, man, Colby Campbell has just had a heck of a year. And at the end of the day, what you're trying to do on defense is tackle. That's typically, yeah, you get interceptions and stuff, but your main goal is to tackle. <laughs> and no matter where you are, and Colby Campbell does that best out of any of these guys. So I'm going to – I'm gonna be a contrarian a bit to your pick i'm gonna go nicario harper uh, oh jacksonville state the safety because him playing 11 games 79 tackles three picks three breakups had a 64 yard fumble return guy that's all over the place and i want to say so either way i'm a fan of either pick because it'll be cool to have a guy playing for presbyterian uh, a team of the pioneer football league non-scholarship league to transition to non-scholarship play Presbyterian's only been at FCS school for, I think, less than 15 years. Either way, we have like a, a groundbreaking winner. But I think looking at this pandemic year and looking at Harper's more consistent body of work um, over 11 games, even though if he, he didn't have a 25 tackle game like Colby Campbell, I think that's what that, that was kind of Campbell's Buck Buchanan moment. 25 tackles against the PFL champs, Davidson. Um, that's definitely is, is Buck Buchanan. Moment. That's something Harper doesn't have. But I got to think that, you know, all things aside, kind of like the Devonte Smith effect, where it's like, okay, it's a pandemic. Let's make a DB. Let's let's make a DB the the winner, of the Walter, or yeah, the Buck Buchanan Award. Excuse me. Colby Campbell is to Cole Kelly as Nicario Harper is to Julius Chestnut. I think they are deserving and maybe even deserving to win. I don't think they're going to put the DB as a winner, um, just because it took an over a decade long tenure for an NFL corner to make it as the Buck Buchanan winner. Um, so I, I don't think that they're going to put him, but I'm, I'm saying he was number three on like my most likely to win it, Nakario Harper. If we're going just by stats, I think he probably is number one because I think that 79 tackles and three interceptions is more impressive than 96 tackles and like one sack or seven tackles for loss, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I've got I've got Colby Campbell as one. I've got Mike Green as my second. Um, only 15 tackles, which is not that many, but eight tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. He also is playing on a playoff team that is still alive, which is important, I think, because um, he can contribute to that uh, to that number still. So James Madison is, is who I've got, or the excuse me, Mike Green from James Madison is who I've got second. I like Green a lot with it being a front seven award, but I just think his, stat, his stats are too thin. Like, I mean, he does have he, he makes big plays, but it kind of seems like he's not. I mean, and I'm sure he gets double teamed too, being a D lineman. So maybe that's why his stats aren't as great with only 15 tackles, 
Uh, TFL to there though for sure. So I like I like Green with like the the precedent of the award. Number two, I have Campbell. Uh, but number I'm so I'm gonna go to number three. I think I got Stone Snyder out of VMI, and I think just the storyline with that is just so great that the voters have to look at it, especially with the stats too. He's got 76 tackles, nine 9.5 TFLs, eight sacks, uh, more TFLs and sacks in Green uh, at at a line at the linebacker position, and I think as a middle linebacker too. So I think Snyder with the story, everything implicated in it, and just the just the production too puts him at number three above green. Yeah, definitely. I can I can see that. And you're right, green doesn't have the tackles. He does have the tackles for loss, which is the most flashy and one most highlight highlight worthy. But uh yeah, I'm just glad neither of us picked a certain linebacker out of southern Utah because I don't think either of us know how to say that name. It's like 20 letters, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and ask you a question. Um, what are the odds? And I want numbers here. What are the odds you think Robert Rochelle, uh, Rochelle, uh, excuse me, the central or the, the central Arkansas corner wins this? It's funny. You ask. I was about to bring him up. Yeah. I know. I know it's your guy with the senior bowl. I don't think there's any chance. I'm sorry. Just like 27 tackle or sorry. I'm looking at, um, Jordan Lewis, if he who plays I, in the spring, do you think the projected third round pick is uh, is is winning it? No, I don't think his stats is a DB. There's like a bunch of better DBs. There's Harper. Uh, there's the safety but from Sanford. But if he plays through the spring, I mean, I don't oh, think plays he, through. Oh, yeah. If he maybe plays, if he plays in the spring, maybe. But I just don't think there's enough like data to back that because, like, I mean, it's like it's like saying That's like fair. you know. You know, like what if, like he would get his like fair share of work against Southland passing games against Schmid, Cole Kelly, Lindsey Scott, so he would get his fair share of work. If we're using the Senior Bowl argument, then why is K. Johnson not on uh, not on the Walter Baden Award list? Like, I, I just don't think it's gonna happen. Um, yeah, I, I would say like twenty to one, and I wouldn't put any money on it either um, for Robert Rochelle to win it. But yeah, I mean, he's a good player. Good luck to him on Friday. Hopefully he gets picked then. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that they put him on the list, though, because um, it's odd. Like, there were some voters that uh, – is it the casual voter that just sees, oh, this is an NFL prospect that plays in the FCF? Yeah. Oh, he played technically this year. Let's put him on. Like, I'm curious to see, like, who voted for that and what the thought process was. But, I know, I don't think he, won it. he should win it either. Uh, but it's just something interesting to note. But yeah, uh, I'm excited to see how Colby Campbell, uh, Mike Green, Nicario Harper. Uh, we did not do a great job picking the uh, the finalists for this, so maybe we, you know, we're probably off. It's probably going to be like I don't know, like Story Jackson, the linebacker out of Prairie View, or something like that. Might even be so. I I think Jordan Lewis actually too. So I'd take Jordan Lewis okay. over Mike Green because he's got 15 TFLs, Jackson, and 10 and a half sacks, like. He, he's what Mike Green, you know, I guess what people want Mike, Mike Green, Green to be. With more stats, yeah, or more, uh, yeah, more weeks under his belt. I can see that. With two nationally televised games against uh, against Jackson State, and of course, I, people probably didn't care about the Jackson State game. They probably cared more about the Bayou Classic, given the history of the Bayou Classic. And, um, you know, those two nationally televised games, as we talked about with Glass, helped. So... I don't know. Maybe Jordan Lewis kind of creeps up there as well. I mean, I, I think it's a close for me. It's closely contested between 
Harper, Campbell, and Lewis, because all three of those guys have a really deserving case, whether it's games played, a breakout game, or just overall consistency monster stats, like 15 TFLs in five games. It's always fun to play with on pace for stats. He's on pace for over 30 tackles for a loss. If he plays a full 11 game season, <laughs> I mean, and, and also 21 sacks too. If you, if you double that to a regular season, extrapolate it. So, I mean, you know, I think it's going to be a close race either way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sure seems like it. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I didn't even, I didn't really think about that. We've talked about Mike Green all year. Uh, but yeah, it sure seems like that, uh, that Lewis might end up with that if it goes to a defensive end. Um, but yeah, I like that. At least I do. Uh, we have one from, we have a defensive lineman, we have a back, uh, a linebacker, and then we have a, yeah, someone in the backfield. So I like that a lot. All right. The, the secondary. So yeah, but, uh, man, we already cover our bracketology. We've got the Walter Payton award. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a, someone uh, or a team that you feel pretty confident that might win it all? I think South Dakota State really? just riding the hot team. Either hot, South Dakota State. So it stays within the Dakotas. Not the state, but the Dakotas. Or James Madison, yeah. too. Maybe James Madison. Yeah. Um, those are Even the two. James actually, Madison so, yeah, had, James like, Madison or Delaware. Schedule, actually, not James Madison. I'll flip that. Delaware. Okay. Because Delaware's got Jacksonville State. And then I think after that, the way the bracket works out, they'll face, yeah, South Dakota State in the semifinal. So, I mean, that'll be a test for sure. But, I mean, Delaware seems like a well-rounded team. Like, they got the defense. They got the running game to play. Like, they play like those MVFC squads. Jacksonville State had that huge upset almost a decade ago against Old Miss. Do you think if they – make it to the championship maybe not necessarily win but that would be their biggest moment since then i think so i want to say that they've also won like a d2 title along the way like early on um like early early on but i think definitely like i mean that's just like a moment in time like a championship championships last forever really um and yeah they did win the 1992 division two championship i knew that <laughs> just just a little Wikipedia search. Yeah. Um yeah. I wanted to ask. So I did want to state. My heart is there with you with South Dakota State. We'll see. I would love to see the Jack Rabbits win it. Um yeah. yeah, for sure. Just just a hot team yeah. in my opinion. Like uh we'll we'll see. I, I wanted to ask you um about we, we talked a little bit about the HBCU coaching carousel with Dawson Odoms going to Norfolk state and talking about guys doing it the right way. I think that was a shot, a a kind of sneak this towards Eddie George and Deion Sanders and guys like that. Um, I just want to know what your thoughts on the, on the, on the current trend towards legends is in, in HBCUs. It's not fair, but it's good. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't think it's fair to the guys that are within it uh, and that have worked their way up uh, within HBCUs and the coaching ranks and all that. I think overall for the sport and for the SWAC and the MIAC, I think overall was a good thing um, because it brings more attention. Uh, we're seeing all the success with Jackson State being on ESPN every week. Uh, we're seeing, you know, more attention go to these guys like uh, Akil Glass. Uh, you know, guys that deserve it. Uh, but 
You're right. It is not fair. And it was a deserved shot because these guys are just, they've never coached, you know, a a team, you know, they've coached, you know, younger, younger guys on their NFL squads, but they haven't coached any teams uh, outside of high school. And so, you know, yeah, it's, it's not fair, but it is, uh, it is interesting to see. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say, cause it's like, I think it does bring a lot of publicity to the sport and uh, people are paying more attention to HBCUs and they have it a long time. Um, part of that maybe because it's in the spring, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Um, do you want to see the trend keep going or do you want to see more guys hired internally? Uh, yeah, like you said, it's not fair. And my standpoint is I don't think the HPCUs ever needed saving in terms of exposure because they lead, they lead FCS in attendance. They have the national TV spot with the Celebration Bowl and the SWAC championship. I don't think they ever needed saving really or that exposure. Well, I don't, I don't think lot. they need saving. I think it's just like icing on the cake. I, think, I don't know. Okay. I, I yeah. Know. I wasn't saying that they needed oh, saving. Oh, yeah, yeah. My I was bad. just saying that like when was the last time – that like ESPN's Instagram page posted about an FCS score or HBCU. Like, you know, it's, it's been a while since like we've seen this much attention go to them. Yeah. They don't, they don't need saving. They'll yeah. Be yeah. My, my bad. Sorry for, for misattributing that. Oh no, you. you're good. Yeah. They'll be fine for as long as they're around. I'm just saying it brings like more attention. So. Yeah. And something that's happened recently too, uh, just talking to some people is some donors have given a lot of money, like namely Jeff Bezos gave a bunch of donor money to a bunch of HBCUs. And okay. I do think this could fire up donors, like gra- old graduates from these schools to get excited yeah. about these programs. Definitely. And um, yeah, like that should help a lot in terms of facilities that, you know, are, are lagging behind other schools, um, other co- comparative schools. But I mean, it helps for sure. But again, I, I can't help but feel for guys like Dawson Odoms, other, other homegrown HBCU coaching talents that are being passed up for these guys just because, you know, they had a hall of fame career, but we'll see where, where it ends up. We'll see if, you know, if this is just a fad or if it lasts for a while, because this has, this has been happening for a while. Um, Doug Williams coached Grambling, you know, early two thousands. Um, I want to say Ken Riley, the, who should be in the hall of fame, Ken Riley, the Bengals great, who should be in the hall of fame coach Florida A&M. I believe for a period of time too. So it's like the more things change, the more things stay the same. Uh, yeah, he did coach Florida and led him to a heritage bowl, but the more things change, the more they stay the same. And maybe again, it's just like history repeating itself. Don't be surprised in three or four years that we start seeing an, an HBCU to NFL pipeline because we're seeing, uh, we're seeing these NFL coaches, our former NFL you know stars go into coaching um, and then we're also something that got canceled due to COVID twice. The HBCU Combine was supposed to be in Fort Lauderdale in 2019 um, and then uh, are in 2020 and then obviously didn't happen this year. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that next year too. Uh, a lot more publicity. Um, a good follow if you're interested in uh, HBCUs and, and, all, and, uh, and everything and their possible relation with the NFL, Steve Weich and his podcast. Um, Steve is an awesome guy, works for both the Falcons and for NFL Network. He has a podcast on, um, on uh, HBCUs as well, which is awesome. It has a lot of NFL guests on there. I know he's had Ray Lewis, um, all that. So, yeah, that's another good one to follow. But um, 
yeah, I, I'm interested to see where that pans out in three or four years. And yeah, they'll be just fine either way, but it does bring some more publicity, which I think is good. I don't want it to be at the cost of, can we just have like more publicity and have these guys like hired internally? You know, that would be ideal. So that's kind of up to the networks. Yeah. So I, I think, so one final point, you mentioned the, I guess this would be our final talk before we go. You mentioned the HBC to NFL pipeline. And yeah. something that you don't really see there is a quarterback pipeline. I'm not sure you've ever heard the name Amir Hall from Bowie State, Bowie State in Maryland. He was a quarterback prospect, and he actually got invited to the NFLPA Bowl out in Los Angeles, NFLPA All-Star Game. But there is a controversy, and I am I am totally on the, the team Hall side, where he um, wasn't featured as prominently as the other quarterbacks on the team where he threw only one pass was featured on like one drive and they ran, they ran the ball on most of that drive while the other quarterbacks had like a lot, a lot more passing attempts. Um, I'm trying to pull up the article. Yeah, there we go. There's, a, there's an article that I'll link in the bio titled by HBCU game day, another good follow for HBCU sports, probably the follow Amir Hall faintly featured in NFL PA collegiate bowl. Uh, and so right here, with 7.35 left in the third quarter, he made his debut in the game, and they ran – they had a 10-play drive, and they ran nine of the 10 plays, and Hall's one pass was deflected at the line, Division II HBCU quarterback at Bowie State. And on the t- on his teammates, Jake Browning, Washington great, had 17 passes. Brent Stock still had 13 passes, and Hall had one pass. So do you see, like, a similar fate happening, uh, I guess, if – Akil Glass stays into the fall, gets invited to, like, say, the East-West Shrine game or the NFL PA Bowl. Do you see a similar fate happening, or do you think the national TV appearances helps him out? Uh, do you think this is a problem we should, you know, be be looking at? Because I think it's kind of wrong what happened to Mayor Hall in 2019. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not too familiar with the NFL PA Bowl and how it works. Um, if it's anything like the Senior Bowl um, and the, more the East-West Shrine game, then the practices are what's much more important. Uh, some scouts and GMs are even gone by Saturday when the game is played. It's mostly the practices. We need a lot of hands-on time. I'd be interested to know what those practices look like, how we looked in practice, how many reps he got, how early on, uh, how we compared to the other quarterbacks on that roster. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to know that. Um Certainly an HBCU combine would help if he didn't get in. I, I'm assuming he didn't get invited to the scouting combine in Indy. I don't okay. think so. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I and keep say. in mind too. If he's yeah. playing in the NFL PA bowl, that's like usually we're like talking in the like UDFA range. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to know what the practices look like more than anything. Um it also hurts that like teams are only allowed like five tryouts, um, like a ridiculously low number because of COVID, um, which that's for this year. But I'd be interested to know uh, if if COVID because even if these you said he was in twenty nineteen, right? Uh, twenty eighteen season, January twenty nineteen All Star game. Okay, yeah. So twenty yeah. like I know that was pre COVID, but like still see guys get tryouts like two three years after they were out of college. Um, all the time, don't be surprised if you see some of uh, FCF uh, players get some get some invites uh, in the next couple of years too. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'd, I'd like to keep up with the story. Is he playing anywhere right now? Is he in like no? The- he had an XFL tryout, but I will say okay. like um, the next like the next best. Uh, I think so. I remember watching the Magic City Classic uh, a couple weeks ago. 
and they had a stat on the broadcast. There's only been five HBCU quarterbacks drafted since 1981. Really low number. And the last quarterback to be drafted, the late great Tavares Jackson, rest in peace. Um, so it, it, there's, a, there's a problem there in, course, in terms of quarterback production. Those guys aren't really getting attention. There's guys that put up numbers each year. I think Glass is re- the real deal pro, pro ready. And I hope he doesn't get the same fate as Hall. But I think I think maybe the national TV appearances will help him get some drives if he does get invited to an all-star game. Keep in mind, there is also going to be an HBCU all-star game in New Orleans in January of 2022 at Tulane's Yeoman Stadium. So maybe he okay. makes the rounds and plays in both. You know, Maybe he yeah. makes it. Here's what I see happening. Maybe he gets into the Hula Bowl one of the lesser all-star games, but still making his way up the hula bowl and then goes from there to the HBCU all-star game. But either way, I hope he gets his snaps too, because, you know, a keel glass, they got to call him showtime because, you know, <laughs> that is, that is must see TV. Anytime that man, anytime that man goes under center. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, something to keep an eye on. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. I did not know that about that being in New Orleans. I'm, I'm excited to see that. And where that is in the next couple of years, but um, yeah, I mean, what like we said, this whole podcast, what a great weekend! I'm, I'm excited for it, and, and the future is bright for HBCUs. There's not really any wrong way. Future is bright, um, and that is only in part thanks to Dion. The future's been bright, um, but the the publicity helps, but it's not everything. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm good if you are. Do you have anything else? No, let's just enjoy this weekend. Um, you know, one game on Saturday, four on Sunday. Let's let's enjoy it. One final question: Mac Jones or Trey Lance? Trey Lance got the Trey Lance bowl. Completely agreed. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, it's funny because I've seen I saw Trey Lance's first game in person, and I saw Zach Wilson during his freshman year. It's like, and then the year before that. Uh, Daniel Jones came to West Point. So it's like I had a three-year streak seeing top 10 quarterback prospect. Yeah, I didn't even wow. realize it. It's I, crazy. It's funny. Did you see did <laughs> you go to the Oklahoma game with Kyler Murray? No, unfortunately, I didn't. Oh, man. I didn't you pay the plane for... ticket for oh, that. Oh, wait, was that? It was Sammy. No, that, that was Sammy. That was, that was Sammy. Yeah, you're right. That was, that was a Sammy. Sammy. Yeah. Um, but I, I did not, unfortunately. I uh, don't don't really regret it. Uh would have been heartbroken, <laughs> but um, – yeah, so it's interesting, but I, I got to go Trey Lance right there, especially seeing his first game. I can tell kids if he's a Hall of Famer. I saw that man before he's famous. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. And uh, you did not – fortunately, you did not get to see the one-game season at India's no, yeah. <laughs> One-game fall season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not a season. That's a scrimmage. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, and this will be, be fun, uh, a fun weekend for sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you don't have anything else, Jackson, um, guess we're good to sign off. Uh, you know, enjoy this weekend and peace, love, and soul, everyone.